this is the season finale of Live from the Dutch Hall, the 52nd episode. So the last one in a calendar year since it's a weekly broadcast. And uh, last week, to cap off a great first year, we had a record, a record number of listeners for the um, Quit Your Job episode, The Return of the Rooster. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for doing that. So now that I made you all quit your jobs, you know, now what the heck are we going to do? Thank you to such a generous audience. That's the audience that's been with me for 52 weeks now, one year. The season. This is the season finale of uh, Live from the Dutch Hall in our very first season. Uh, you th- might say, well, Pete, why is the anniversary? Sh- the anniversary show's next week. Why would uh, this be the season finale, not the anniversary show? Well, the anniversary show is actually the beginning of season two, and it's the first one of the new... Uh, the new calendar, right? So this one is a season finale. I like to believe this is like a, more of a sad season finale, like uh, uh, not a sad one, but more like a you know like at the end of a season where you show more of a uh, the dramatic side of the sitcom family. You know what I'm so- talking about? Yeah, that's what kind of what this one's going to be about. More reflective of what the greatness of life in the Dutch Hall is. Well, you've done an incredible job, Peter, over the last year, and uh, I must say I enjoy. And I'm glad to, I'm honored actually to be here for your final show this year. I think it's been a monu- monumental year. And uh, <laughs> I really get, uh, the, more, the more time I spend here with you, the more I understand what you're doing and the more I get it. And I think that uh, it's a good thing, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you. I think you got a real way about yourself and I, I truly enjoy what you do. Oh, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. I'm going to give it a round of applause for that. And... Uh, not to be taken too seriously, <laughs> the fart, <laughs> because you know even though the uh, even though the support's been the support's been great, I can't really I can't believe it. it last uh, week's episode, uh, quit your job. It must have struck a nerve with people because uh, we had as many people for that episode in one week as we had uh, for all of my episodes combined for the whole month of July. Like we had just an incredible amount of people, like uh, spiked up like a record number for the for the Friday, record number for the Saturday record number for the Monday. Like it was just an incredible uh, amount of support all of a sudden. And so you wonder, is it this, um, is it the great dramatic uh, storyline cooked up by my good pal, Dave, the rooster charters <laughs> with the, the wrestling bullshit that he cooked up with the Facebook post, or was it uh, the fact that people are just have this underlying uh, kind of discontent in their job or their, or their, or their work situation that I, that they were just looking for that quit your job tag. You know, well, I, I don't know I, what it I is. I prefer to think that it's just the culmination of a, a year's hard work, you know. <laughs> People are appreciating you and, and hopefully telling their friends. Uh, an experience on the way here, talking to the, the old guys at the gas station, you know, showing them how to set up the app on their, on their newly acquired uh, iPhones that they don't even know how to use and showing them how to download uh, live from the Dutch Hall. 
And all you listeners out there, appreciate if you could do the same sort of thing. Like, let's let's expand this listenership. Well, there's been a lot of good things happening with the podcast industry in the last little bit that's been kind of encouraging. Uh, and one of them is that uh, Apple is making the podcast app just part of their regular apps that you can't even uh, delete. Like, it just comes standard now, mm-hmm. like with the new operating system. So everyone will have that, that podcast app, so it should be easier. And it's becoming... Uh, a little bit more more respected as a as a as a medium in, from some of the uh, corporate sponsors that are out there that I've been bitching about the whole time. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. To, it would be interesting to see over the next couple of years or the next year or so if the corporate sponsors come out. If I can keep up with my like verbiage about how much I hate them, and if I can uh, if they're offering me a bunch of money to sponsor me, or if I'm just going to be shilling tide in a year. Like if I'm just going to be like. Some some corporate sellout in no time flat if, the, if it takes off. Well, I know Peter was talking about his goals for the next year. And uh, if everybody out there even got one friend to listen, his goals would be met. And I think next episode would be a great episode to do that. I think this should be the week of the uh It's the like move. the tell the tell a friend, the pay the listen forward yeah pay it forward to do these people a favor because they're missing out <laughs> let them know let them know show them how to download it download the first episode set it up so that all the uh, you know they download the past 20 and let them listen to it because uh, no better way i think to expand our, our message here which is basically a whole bunch of nonsense <laughs> <laughs> well thanks tom there's a real advertisement for life that all started off and this is what we wanted. To, I want to touch a little bit upon last week with where where uh, we had because I had a lot of feedback from people that listen to the show. And uh, last week I thought was really cool is that we it looks like we're gonna have a lot more podcasts starting up by the sounds of it. A lot of people were very interested in quitting their job and starting a podcast, <laughs> and I'm all for it. If you're out there and you want to start one of these things, it's not really that hard to do. You just have to. You know, it's minimal amount of equipment you set up in your garage. And the more people that have a, a voice out there, build your own audience and have a good time with it, the more you can kind of see that the a lot of the message you see in other media isn't like the conventional media, like television and even like uh, commercial radio and stuff like that. They're, you're getting a filtered message by the corporate people. And on the Internet still with podcasting, and it's number one, it's on demand. And number two, it's mostly... Uh, free of all that corporate influence so you get actual real opinions you can kind of get a more of a real pulse of what's going on in the world than you can watching like uh, the talking heads on cnn or whatever and it all doesn't have to be like a comedy show like you're doing it can be hobbies uh say you're an avid hunter you want to talk about hunting you could probably oh yeah get a show together those do a lot better than something like I'm doing. Mine's mine's not focused. That's the main main problem with this show is that it's got, it's so it's so diverse, and that's part of what this show's all about. When we uh, doing a year in review, there's usually the uh, oh, I should have that sound effects for the uh, uh, the harp. Do I have that? Do I have the harp? Let me see here. Oh, I don't have it. Uh, sorry. I was hoping I'd had that from the dream the dream sequence. Maybe it's called dream sequence. Let's see that dream. No, I don't have that either. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but I was hoping, like, it's a year in review. So we were saying, a lot of people ask me, Pete, what's, the, what's your show all about? Like, what's it about? And uh, so I thought, well, I really don't know. I was kind of just pissing in the wind when I started the show. I was thinking I was just going to uh, have some fun with the media, learn about the Internet and all that stuff. And um, then I started thinking about what the show would be about. So I kind of threw darts in a whole bunch of different places and seeing what would stick. 
And uh, so we created a wheel. One of the things that was a great success over the last year was our wheel of fun and our wheel of fear. So the wheel is back today again. And this one, we don't have entitled what the wheel is, but it's the anniversary, or no, it's not the, even the anniversary wheel. It's the season finale wheel is what it is today, the wheel of whatever. And uh, what we've done is we've kind of broken down some, when we asked what the Dutch Hall is about, we've got a number of different things that we've covered over the years. The subject matter that we have are music, poop stories, world news, sports, and uh, sponsorship. Those are, the, those are the subject matters we have that can help uh, kind of tell the story of life in Dutch Hall over the last year. So, Tom, you want, do you want to start out giving it a spin, see where we end up? Okay, I'll give her a spin. All right, this is really exciting, people. I need some music for this. What do we got? I don't know if I have anything good. But first, let me take a selfie. All right, Spinner. here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh Music. No, we're going to go music. It was on music. Sometimes when we spin the wheel, because this is an audio show, I can make it say whatever it wants. So like when it spins, and if I wanted to talk about something different, I don't have to tell you the truth of what's going on on that wheel. <laughs> but in this case, we are going to stay. It actually says music on there. And uh, I have, it's just, this is what I do when I, earlier on in life, in life in the Dutch Hall, and a couple of times, I can't come up with ideas on what to do on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So I sit around the house, I kind of, uh, scratch my head i do as much as i can to inspire myself and then sometimes i just reach out to the twitter verse or the facebook crowd and i ask them for ideas or do you have any uh subject matter you'd like to bring forward to the show and uh in this case very few people if i in fact like basically nobody ever uh gets back to me like i, I put it out there very rarely do i get anything back once in a while i get like uh well, my sister's really good at this. I shouldn't discount it. I give an ideas. Okay. But it's very sparse. Let's okay. just put it that way. So in this case, we got one from Twitter, a direct message from uh, A. Hilly on Twitter. And uh, he said, uh, who is the greatest um, front man in rock and roll today? That was the question. Who is the greatest front man in rock and roll today? To which I responded with a one one answer, and then he said, well, that was some debate. But I will ask you, because there is open for debate. Like, in rock and roll today, and I'm talking rock and roll, yeah. which is a dying breed on its own, mm -hmm. who, who, is, uh, who would you say the greatest front man is today? Oh, the greatest and front you, man. You can go, like, I mean, and, and this is, the interesting part about it is that Mick Jagger's still out there, and he's yeah. a pretty great front man, and he's still doing shows. I'm so, gonna I'm gonna show my age and I can't help myself, but uh, I can't help but say Steven Tyler. I think Steven. I know. I know you give me a look. <laughs> is he still? Is he still uh, doing it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're still. They're still going strong. Have you seen Aerosmith before? Yeah, I have actually. I saw Aerosmith, um, Darien Lake in Buffalo. It was a great show. My wife was pregnant with my daughter, who's now 12. So, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And uh, I think she was probably about six, seven months pregnant and riding on my... Uh, no, actually, it wouldn't have been. Maybe, but I definitely know she was showing anyways. But she was on my shoulders. Uh, we were probably 10 rows back. Show her tits? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know better, Peter. Come on. Put, put some milk in his coffee. Yeah, for sure. No, I've always liked Steven Tyler. I've heard some interviews with him on Howard Stern. Um, I just think that the whole fact that he 
is such a heavy duty rocker and at the same time has struggled back from his addictions, heroin and, and, you know, he, the, the guy was on skid row, you know, he was basically on his way out and he got dragged back from the abyss and looks like shit. No doubt about it. It looks awful, but I, I don't did. know. I would probably, I would be pretty happy to be his age and look like he does. Oh, he, look, he looks like he's, you know, he's melting. I think, but uh, <laughs> that's okay because he's Steven Tyler. I don't and know, I, man. I, just, to me, uh, well, uh, so is that? I would go. Dave Grohl's got to be in that conversation for sure. That's that was my answer right back to him. Right, but you, yeah, that's it, more modern. Let's see, you got to understand. I've uh, no, it's uh, all rock and roll today. It's all rock and roll today. So anything that's going, like anything that's going on now, including old stuff, new stuff. But the thing is, there's not much new stuff. Like who's a big rock acts nowadays? It's like. Almost those pop rock acts like Fall Out Boy or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise, you're talking about like maybe for real rock acts like uh, Black Keys, uh, mm-hmm. Kings of Leon. Black Keys' front man's not a strong front man. Kings of Leon's guy, you know, he's understated. He's kind of like, he's not a not a real strong front man. I'll tell you, uh, Josh Homie from uh, Queens of Stone Age is a pretty good front man. He's pretty captivating up, up there. Sure. Sure. You can't. What about Gord Downey? I don't know. I'm 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 old school. I can't help myself. Like I was gonna even mention for my daughter's sake, Paul McCartney, because wow, I, yeah. I saw him in concert in Pittsburgh this year, and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, the freaking guy is 72 years old, just got out of the hospital, showed up, did 43 songs without stopping, and did like three hours. It was it was like mind bending how good it was. And I'll tell you that stuff he did uh with the Foo- with uh, Nirvana mm-hmm. when they did those couple songs uh th- he he was uh, the front man in that band he did he did it every bit as good as Kurt Cobain could have done. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Yeah, he's he he's really blew him out guy. of the water like at his age too and he just kicked he kicked ass up there. People and people love him. People really do and and same with uh, I got to go back to Steven Tyler. I mean, have you ever been to Rock and Roll Roller Coaster in Disney? You gotta yeah. wait in line for like an hour, right? And they all they do is play Aerosmith. Never had more fun. It's like karaoke. Everybody in line just sings along. You got three hundred. <laughs> I had people no idea from... you were so big on Aerosmith. I had no idea. I, I gotta tell you, Aerosmith to me, it's like uh, you got like Dream On and like the early stuff when yeah. they were good, right? And then they got to like uh, where they're doing like Love in an Elevator and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Where Great, they're getting Great their stuff. peak of their stuff. So at my the age I was at, I was like, okay, I'm still all in on Aerosmith, right? And then when they did the crazy crying, I'm amazing for you, baby, or whatever that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. where all the songs started sound the well, same. I think they peaked at. Uh, They're all movie soundtrack. They did the soundtrack for uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. That was about it. Don't yeah. want to miss a thing. But right. you know, I'm must up. You're more heavy duty music guy. There's no doubt. Well, I, no, you know what? You know who's big? I don't know if I've even said this on the air before, but I find it amazing. It was 1995 when I went to uh, England to the school. They were, there was, uh, I couldn't believe Brian Adams was so huge over there. Oh, God. And, and he, Shoot me. And uh, in Canada, where it's his, this is our native son, Brian Adams, like a, a big uh, a big deal at one point in time for us. And we had given up on the guy. Like, I hadn't even thought about him by 95. Like, he was doing nothing. He did that Robin Hood soundtrack thing, and yeah. that was it. That you know? was bad. And, yeah, it wasn't that, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And over in uh, England, he was singing all these love ballads and stuff. He's huge. And Bon Jovi too. Bon Jovi kind of went away oh. here, and then over in England, they were still big. And I couldn't believe it. Eh? Like, I, it was a shock to me. Like the Brit pop music that we watched when we were that we Girl. were exposed to when yeah. we were over there, 
that was actually really cool because that was exploding over there at the time like the whole blur versus oasis and feud was going on in london when we were in london it was a good time for music like to be over there and then uh but then this whole american influence that i was we were seeing bleed in was only like bon jovi and brian adams it was really the crap <laughs> like what are you taking from, why are you taking that junk from us you know we got better stuff over there yeah, no, it's a good question, though, Peter. And I also have to put in, like, for A. Hilly, thank you for bringing up the subject. Uh, I, you know, I hope this is, it, it does give us uh, something to talk about. Uh, I hope that uh, more people feel, like, open to, br to bring ideas to the show. If there's something you want to talk about, and I've had people that approach me in public and stuff, and I apologize if I haven't got to your subject matter, but I have to think of an entertaining way to do it a lot of times, and... And I haven't forgotten about your feedback. I'll, I'll get to it. We have a lot of uh, stuff bouncing around in my head to get for the next uh, next few shows. So um, just keep the ideas coming and, uh, and and keep the feedback going. We're going to actually think about getting a phone a phone in show coming up shortly. I'm just trying to come to terms with giving out my number or coming up with a way to do it so I'm not um, screwing myself. So I got to figure that out. But uh, anyways, thanks, A. Hilly. Uh, that's our talk on music. I can't go without saying Jack White, though. I know okay. the charters will kill me. Jack White's a pretty good front man, but I, can you call yourself a front man of your own band if if it's there? I guess it is, right? He's the front. He's doing it, and he captivates the audience. I did like uh, Edward Sharp. I did, he was different. He's very different. Yeah. Alex from uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero. It's a pretty. It's a pretty impressive thing when you have like 100 people on stage, too, to be able to still keep people's attention above all the other spectacle that's going on around you with that show yeah and then he won the oscar for a soundtrack uh, this year for, he, he did he did he wrote the soundtrack for or the musical score for um what was it called is that robert redford one where he's floating around the boat what I don't, robert redford's on a boat now there was a movie last year where he was on a boat I, geez i can't remember the name i don't know boat did his face get all leathery Ah, he was he, he. What had happened was his his boat hit a, a storage container while he was sleeping. It was sinking, and it just followed the final days of his his ordeal. And there was no real dialogue. There was no talking in the whole movie. And the, oh, really? The, yeah. And Alex from uh, Edward Sharp did the 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 musical score, and he won the you won the Oscar for it. I'm out to watch it. Yeah, I I've been, I've been paying attention to any of that stuff for forever. Let's spin the wheel again, Tom. Okay, hold on. That was sports. Oh, sh shoot. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Too many quarts. I hate it. All right, here, we, here go. we go. I don't know if I have another song. Oh, we can't do music again. Yes. Let's spin it again. All right, spin it again. There we go. Sports. sports. All right. This is the thing. This is the thing. Sports. Uh, live from the Dutch Hall, we've, uh, we've always... Uh, We've had some great sports guests. We've had Ryan Vandenbush, NHL enforcer, hockey player. Used to have the most high, highest-rated show at Live from the Dutch Hall until this week. And uh, he's been on a few times. Uh, and we've done a World Cup shakedown episode where we broke down the World Cup soccer uh, with a panel of experts. And we've uh, talked about the we had the Jagerbomb Olympics where we discussed the Winter Olympics. It's a show where we've uh, given great uh, great uh, regard to the sportsmen of our country and of our world. And um, it's no different today on the on the grand finale show that we shouldn't honor our sports people. So I'm going to do it with a news story about one of our great sportsmen in this uh, in Ontario, the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender 
Jonathan Bernier. Do you know him? I can't say that I do. Well, Jonathan Bernier. Because I'm a Sabres fan. Oh, yeah. The Leafs. Yeah, I grew yeah. up in Fort Erie, so I'm well, a he's their, he's their goalie. He plays the Leafs in the hotbed. And, and uh, for those of you listening from outside of uh, Canada, in Canada, hockey is pretty much um, everything, I, I suppose. And this week has been um, a great example of that with all the coverage that uh, – John Beliveau's death has gotten in Canada. Like it's, it's like uh, it's like a major dignitary. It was amazing. It's a ama- yeah. Like you got an arena full of people to honor a hockey player, and uh, I'm sorry. You know, John Beliveau might have been a great guy. He might have been an, a really great guy. I'm sure he was. He probably was a great guy. But I don't know. Did he if he cheated his wife on a five grain road trip? You know, I don't know if he punched his kid in the face. I don't know if he was a you know, uh, didn't tip his waitresses, you know, like, I don't know anything about the guy. I know he played hockey like 40 years ago or whatever. And, uh, he seemed to be a nice person to people, you know, people seem to think a lot of him, but I can't imagine waiting in line to go in an arena. I don't care how big of a fan I have of the team. Well, funny thing is that, uh, in Quebec, hockey is even more of a Religion, it's almost a religion than it is here. So I mean, he was a big time Montreal Canadian. These are like their deities, right? Yeah, like they they just think that he was incredible, and that's fine. I mean, the the guy, as far as we can tell, he was a decent enough guy, and but still just played hockey. Right? You know? Yeah, but yeah, that's what I mean. He just played hockey. Like we treat these people like they're doing something like they're they're doing something incredible. They're they're really just a playing playing sports. To be fair, though, most of them just. Disappear into the sunset. Well, this for guy, the most part, yeah. Honestly, yeah, most of them get forgotten. And the odd one, we we put a state funeral together for. Exactly, it, you know, right. yeah. I can't even believe it. But, uh, anyways, this guy Jonathan Bernier, he's a he's a young goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's also from Quebec. And uh, with this guy, let's, we're gonna try a little bit of technology here. I don't know if you can see this, Tom. We're just gonna put up the uh, the iPad here. Oh, I think I saw this. Yeah, he was a. They had an event. The Raptors, Toronto Raptors, and the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs had an event to honor the life of Na- Nelson Mandela. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> you, I did see this. Yes. Oh, geez, man, I need to uh, to find. Let's see a playlist here. Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. I'm gonna have to pause this to get my shit together. All right, we're back, and we have the. So we have Jonathan Bernier, Bernier, I think his name, and he's at a he's at this function for celebrating the life of Nelson Mandela. It's the Toronto uh, Raptors, Toronto um, Maple Leafs, that are doing this, and it's kind of a red carpet type scenario, and uh, he's on the red carpet. Behind him, there's a great big sign saying "Celebrating Mandela." The Giant of Africa is what it says. It's got a hand. It says the Giant of Africa. It's talking about sport, leader, community. Anyway, it's a big sign. Giant of Africa, right? Right. He's on uh, the uh, red carpet. He is the only uh, Caucasian person being interviewed, most of the Raptors and stuff. Most people that are probably more moved by the um, great sacrifice that Nelson Mandela would have went through than maybe a a white guy from Quebec that's in his early 20s. And... uh, (laughs) Probably hasn't been hugely affected by apartheid or uh, black racism and or anything like that he could relate to as much as them. And he is uh, put on the red carpet and uh, asked this question, and I will uh, just field his uh, his answer to it. I mean, obviously Nelson Mandela, one of the most significant historical figures of the, of the 20th century. What, what knowledge or awareness did you have of, of him growing up, or when did you learn of him? 
Well, obviously, growing up, you. Uh... He's one of the, the most known athletes uh, in the world and uh, a lot of impact in any kind of sport that he did. And, uh, I didn't know that about him. That I, you know, even no playing hockey, uh, everyone knows him, right? From from being the type of person that he was off the ice and, and on the ice. And it's so unfortunate that he passed <laughs> away a year ago. But, um, you know, he, he changed a lot uh, while he was with us and he's uh, he's a tremendous guy. Uh, I just think the way uh, he met that is, you know, to me growing up, playing sports to my parents was something really special because I can share, uh, you know, being, try to be a leader, uh, you know, try to share things and, and things like that where, uh, you know, as a, you know, when you're a group sport, you need to do that, right? You need to be uh, as one, and I think that's what he met. And, um, you know, I think uh, he pretty much nailed Nelson Mandela right there. He did. He did. But for rugby, not for hockey. hockey, basketball, football, and a lot of people watch that. And I think that's uh, that's kind of the message I personally uh, got from that. Yeah, that's it. So that's Jonathan Bernier. And I'll tell you something about them. Uh, he's got a lot of grief, obviously, about this uh, comment because. Uh, but you know, I had no idea. I had no idea Nelson Mandela was such an accomplished player on and off. Uh, you know, on and off the ice. Did you see Morgan Freeman, the movie Mandela? <clears throat> what, was he? Is it true in that movie he was? He showed how he uh, how to break the trap. <laughs> no, actually, it was about him, his involvement with the the rugby. And he used rugby to unite the um, the country at the time. Oh, Mandela did that? He did that. He was a big rugby fan. He went out of his Do you think that's what Bernier was talking about? Well, I really doubt it. I think that the <laughs> poor boy just had no clue what he was talking about. Sounded great. He was pulling some, some good shit out of his ass. There was no doubt. But... The, you know those bastard uh, reporters, eh? Wow. Like they, they should have just stopped them. This like, guy, I, I I read the comments under this stuff, and everybody was giving him grief because they were saying it's well, this is the typical uh, Quebec thing. They're saying that they're so, in Quebec, they're so Quebec centric, just like the United States is uh, gets the criticism that they're very U.S. centric, and so anything they learn is just about what goes on in in Quebec or goes on in the United States. So they're not aware of world events, and they're all giving grief about that. I don't have a problem with the fact the guy's stupid. He's like 20-something years old. He, he wasn't was, around when Mandela was big. I when mean, he was when a big news story, but his whole life, Mandela was the president of South Africa and a dignitary or whatever. He, mm -hmm. But the whole strife and the whole storyline was beyond his memory, right? So I don't have a problem with him being stupid. What I have a problem with, which no one seems to be commenting on, is the guy's full of shit. Like, why doesn't he just say, I don't know him? Like, why doesn't he just say... And isn't there a person that handles these people before they put them on a red carpet saying, yeah, you would think this is where say, you are. Yeah. This is what he, they they're going to ask. They should have given a brief, and he probably got one and never read it, and went out there and just thought, look at him, he's cocky, right? Like I'm going to wing it, yeah. He just won winged it, and, and uh, he was wrong. He, he's got to grab onto that... Uh, that rugby thing and hold on tight. Maybe it won't sound like such an ass. The other, the other, yeah, that would be good if you gave, if you were his PR guy, like his uh, cleaner, like the wolf. Yeah. Is that the wolf? <laughs> yeah. Right? We would call you. Then you could go in and, uh, and like fix that with that shit. Like that, yeah, you spin yeah. it with some, like, didn't you see, then you know he's a rugby Well, him and Matt Damon were like best friends in the Who? movie. Oh, Morgan Freeman and Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon. He flew down, he, he met them at the practice sites and, and basically won them over and then had them, uh, it was a matter of changing the flag and the, he wouldn't change the uniforms. It was a whole bunch of things, but he basically did keep, at the time of the transition from him going into power, 
it was very tenuous, and th what they portrayed was that he utilized sports, especially rugby, which is the big big sport. It's like hockey down there. Yeah, and he yeah. used that to unite the people, and that's what it was all about, was he united all the sports fans, black, white, didn't matter. Just like the longest yard, they unite the prisoners against the guards. Exactly. Right? A little Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I know any Burt Reynolds movie. <laughs> I watched them all, man. I love Burt Reynolds. One of the greatest dusters in, in motion picture history. Yeah, he was. Smoking the Bandit. Smoking the Bandit was great. Uh, uh, I, and I always loved uh, I always loved Cannonball Run. I always got a good time watching yeah, Cannonball yeah, Run. Yeah, that was a great one, too. I, I like any movie where they have a bunch of cameos from a whole bunch of different people. I always get excited about who I'm going to see. It's like counting the different people you can mm -hmm. name or whatever. Yeah. I always enjoyed it. But anyways. Uh, it's like a Muppets movie. Yeah, yeah. You never know who's going to show up. Yeah, yeah, there was a whole bunch of cameras. It was that last Muppets movie. I loved it. <laughs> I did. My wife and my oldest daughter went to see Divergent in the theater beside us. They, they read those books, eh? And, the, and uh, me and my youngest daughter went to see the Muppets, you know, in the other theater. So the latest Muppets. Yeah, the latest, latest Muppets. The one with Tina okay? Fey. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was well, a, Tina Fey is great. And uh, and I was afraid because Jason Segel wasn't in it that it wouldn't be as much of a musical because the first one was very musical and yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And uh, this one was Amy Adams. was even more so of a, yeah. And Amy Adams is great. I like oh, everything yeah. she does. That movie Enchanted is one of my favorite movies. It's such a gay thing to say out loud, but I don't care because I just like it. I I just really love. It. Did I ever tell a story? <laughs> oh, I'm on. I'm in a. I'm on a, a, a cruise ship, a Disney cruise, right? Okay. And I'm in the uh, I'm in the swimming pool. Like there's a swimming pool on the deck, and then there's like a big uh, movie screen at the end of the swimming pool, right? Sure. Yeah, I've been on it. And so you're in, I'm in the swimming pool just by myself, just sitting there all creepy. There's, but it's like, what are you supposed to do? You're on vacation, right? Like, so I just dunk myself in the swimming pool with the kids all playing and everything like that. And I'm watching the movie, right? So I got, I got a drink in my hand or whatever. I'm watching the movie. It was enchanted, right? Yeah. And I had watched it before. I really liked that movie. And, uh, it gets to the part where, um, like the prince has to kiss her so she'll wake up and then. Then, yeah, uh, yeah. then Patrick Dempsey's got to go kiss her, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then she does wake up and she goes, I knew it was you. That part chokes me up every time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting. Fag. <laughs> it's so gay to say out loud, too. And so, <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm in the pool and I'm just sitting there and that part comes and I know the lines are coming. And I remember I just put my head down, and, you know, like I'm not even want to look at it. Eh? I'm in <laughs> No one's around me. I'm by myself. Like there's like another dad beside me, just just catching some like a few minutes of rest on the on the cruise ship. Were you, right? were you afraid you were gonna like drop a tear? Yeah, I was really afraid. I didn't want anyone to see me. I <laughs> I get emotional on vacation. I don't know what it is. The one time I was, especially on flights home. On flights home, I get really crazy. I remember because oh, you're exhausted. Whenever I'm tired, I don't care what it is. Like shit, throw on Rudy. I'm crying like a baby. Might as well be like fetal position. You know? <laughs> like it's awful. <laughs> oh, the one movie that I don't care. I don't know who you are if you don't cry at this movie. It's eight seconds with with uh, Luke Perry. You know Luke Perry? Yeah, of yeah. Nine hundred two and yeah, yeah, for sure. He played Lane Frost, a, 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 a what do you call it? A cowboy, like a, a bronco rider. You know? Yeah. And who died uh, doing bronco riding, right? And Lane, when Lane Frost uh, died, and then Tuff Hedeman, his best friend, was riding a bull at the end of the movie. And I didn't cry when Lane Frost died. That was the whole, the whole main character. You get emotionally invested in the characters throughout the movie. And then the part where he dies, you kind of know it. That's why they it's made a movie happen, about yeah. it. Cause he, uh -huh. So uh, 
but you kind of know he's gonna die. He dies, and then it's like sad. You know, you watch the movie, it's sad. No fear of tears. No fear of tears. I don't feel anything. You know, I right. feel like a empathy for the person because I know it's a true story. I feel bad that person had to die, but I'm not gonna cry about it. You know, uh, but when uh, his best friend Tough Hedeman gets on a bull at the end. And uh, he rides this bull. It was, I think it was a hard bull to ride, too. It was one of these, like, nasty bulls that no one could ride or whatever. Tough Edeman rides it. And uh, the eight-second buzzer goes off. And then Tough Edeman just keeps riding it, right? And, he's, right. and, he, and he's, the eight seconds is long gone, but he still won't get off the bull. And then the commentators go, he's riding this one for Lane, for Lane. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when you choke. I'm a puddle at that point in time. You can't do it. There's nothing you can do. You're goddamn it tough. There's (laughs) one that came out not too long ago called Warrior. And it's uh, it's got these two brothers that end up fighting in this moment. Yeah, you uh, gave that one to me to watch. Yeah, yeah. At the end, I always cry when the the brother carries the other brother off. Uh, I remember the first one that got me was a movie called The Champ. And it was like. Probably that's forty years. Is that with Ricky Schroeder? Ricky Schroeder, yeah. Isn't that the one where they had to shoot his dog and make him cry? Is that the no? Story? His dad was a boxer, and his dad was another famous. No, actor. no, to get him to cry in that scene. Oh, is that what they did? They actually pretend they took his dog and shot it so that he could cry in that big scene in the champ. Where yeah, he's in the got, champ. Oh, jeez. That's how they did it. They made him feel like they murdered his dog so he cry. I don't know if that's Ricky Schroeder in that movie or if that it was, was like it was Ricky Schroeder. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I know, I, yeah. That was a bad one. That was the first one that ever got me, and then. Like, who can watch the end of Forrest Gump without crying and shedding at least one tear? Which one? Which part? At the end, when his little boy goes on the bus and the feather flies off. When he's not, like, is that the one where he's not retired? <laughs> After Robin Wright's died and he's now taken over the responsibility of his son. Jenny. And, uh, Jenny's, Jenny's little boy that they had. The, anyways, that one always makes me cry. I don't know, there's a bunch. I'm like a suckle. No doubt. Cry all the time. Mm. So to go back to Bernier, just to, just to get it back on uh, Holy sports, back to gonna, sports. <laughs> but I wasn't saying like if this guy, like he looks like an idiot right now, right? Like, yeah, he looks like a yeah, like total idiot. Um, everyone's having a good time with this because the guy's so far fetched. If you listen to the end of his uh, inter- interview, there, all he talked about was going to the rink with his parents, yeah, doing the things his parents and his coaches told him to do with hockey. This guy's been one hundred percent focused on hockey his entire life, which is very short. Yes, and he's and 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 he, all he's an elite athlete, and the reason he is is because that's all he does, and so. To put to put him in a position where he has to even answer a question about anything that requires knowledge of a world figure or is importance on something other than hockey, these are not the right people to be putting a microphone in front of. Maybe the not coaches, a- maybe the coaches, uh, managers, things like that. Like it's a, it's a reporters. They they set him up to look like a dick, and the, the fact that they didn't stop him and just let him ramble on like that. Well, if, if you if you go interview Albert Einstein about uh, you know billiards, he might not know fuck all about it. You know, right. like it's it's not like uh, this guy's. If you want to talk to him about theories of goaltending or or what it takes for off ice conditioning or shit like that, he talk your ear off. He knows a lot about it. I'm sure, sure. he does. Yeah. <laughs> Is if he talk about um, breaking like uh, cutting the angle down on on how to minimize, he probably could. Tell you all about it, eh? Yeah, for sure. Different styles of goaltending. Probably knows tons about it. You ask him, like, the only, but a couple other things that he did know, this cut it off, and this is all that was really aired, and I think it was taken down really rapidly. The Raptors put it up. All right. All the Raptors who were sitting there on the red carpet saying, this 
fucking kid doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> they put it up. They're happy to show how dumb this white guy is, right? right. And then, um, then they, t- then they, uh, by the time he goes, and now then they took it down. But the only thing that's out there is that. What I ended up, if you, it, what I, it has been heard, it's it's hearsay. I, I'm not going to tell you it's the truth, but it's hearsay. Is that Jonathan Bernie also went on to say a few other tidbits, which is um, actually I think it was that Gandhi was good on the PK, <laughs> and he uh, went on to say at the very end that he thought uh, the Dalai Lama was one of the greatest mascots in hockey history. <laughs> For the like St. Louis llamas of the industrial <laughs> league. <laughs> yeah, he's a great. Anyways, that's our sports. Sports. So, Tommy, let's go back to sound effects. We'll get a really good one for this spin of the wheel. And uh, I just got to find it. No, technology. Ready? Let's do Epic Sax Guy. Spin it. Here we go. All right. And we're at Poop Stories. Poop Stories. All right. Poop Stories. So in Live from the Dutch Hall, we talk about hard-hitting uh, global issues. We also talk about sports, music, entertainment, pop culture, how to raise your family, how to be a better person, how to be a nice husband or wife. We also talk about poop. A lot of it. We have, I'd say, two episodes in particular. The Redo Show that I did uh, after the warm-up shack as a kind of a, a second chance at making the show good. That one was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a funny show, but it, uh, and it concentrated almost probably 90% on uh, shit stories. <laughs> and the other one was uh, Poops and Spoons, live from Delhi, Ontario. We went and took the show on the road to uh, Delhi, and we did a show called uh, Poops and Spoons. And uh, we ended up probably concentrating, I'd say, 60% of the show <laughs> on, on poop and the rest on spoons, I guess. Spoons. We were talking about doing a cuddling business. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Where we would um, we would come cuddle, like if uh, with your spouse, just if you would just want to get a good night's rest, but she still needed a little cuddle time, like we would provide cuddling service for your spouse. <laughs> the spoons, yeah, like that was the spoons. We were professional spooners. It's uh, nice, eh? Yeah, it nice is. spoon with a stranger, just like a warm hug. You know? Well, I uh, depends on how much time we have, but I do have a quick story about the the, the spooning. Um, I was at Waterloo university and first year residents and what i found was that a lot of people had girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever at different schools or maybe back in high school and had these girls on the floor below us and they used to complain that the one thing they missed all the time was just being able to just cuddle because their boyfriends weren't around and i offered up a cuddling service to put it lightly and uh yeah, it worked out. Anyways, that's the end of that story. How 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 often did that convert for you? Like, yeah, I mean, it worked for about, it worked for, it worked for about maybe two or three weeks before. You had either. you had bad intentions though with that. You were not uh, strictly as cuddling. I server. think everybody had bad bad intentions. It was just a matter of how they <laughs> phrased it. But like, it's like those uh, <laughs> creepy massage guys that always take it too far on those videos. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nobody that nobody watches. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, poo stories, poo stories. You yeah, got one? Well, I do. I I love poo stories. I mean, uh, who who doesn't love a poo story? They're hilarious. <laughs> They're you great. can't preface a story being hilarious before you start it, because no. then it puts unfair expectations. No, on. but they're hilarious. That whoever listens, they, they just cross genders. It doesn't matter whether it's a kid pooing. It doesn't matter if it's an adult, old person. <laughs> um, poo is funny. 
And even just poo alone. Like you think women find poo as funny as we do? Oh yeah. My wife just cracks up when we talk about poo stories. She thinks it's <laughs> hilarious and she's normally so straight laced. They say that uh, um sex jokes and and bathroom jokes like shit and, and piss jokes are the like the easiest laughs. Yeah, well when you look at it like what are the first laughs kids get? Yeah, right? yeah, poop jokes. Poop jokes, right? It's always poop. They they, they think that's hilarious. Oh right? yeah, a kid. You don't have to. You don't teach your kid that. Like when you're, uh, when a kid's young, the kid doesn't uh, isn't taught that their bum is funny, but they'll put their bum out at you, wiggle it, and that's they know that's teasing you somehow. Like oh, that's, that's just hilarious. something that's no one taught them that. Like we don't we don't wiggle our bums at our kids to show them like the. To tease I think them. I think we train them right off the bat. Like I mean, when you when you first pull a diaper off your baby and and it stinks and you go be you and make a laugh and make them giggle and you know joke yeah, yeah. with them like it's all kind of made to be funny and that and, you and imagine, why shouldn't it be? <laughs> you imagine you were changing your kid's diaper and you just like scream at them for the horrible mess they made. <laughs> oh, like, oh, you're what did you eat? Oh <laughs> God, dude, can you imagine how screwed up they'd be? <laughs> but you know, like what what's funny about poo? You got for starters, you got different types of poo. And that always cracks me up, right? You ever get like where you get one of those semi-solid shits where it's it comes out and it feels like you're shitting forever. It's like nah, 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 nah. and then you finally take a look and it's about eighteen to twenty four inches long and it's sticking out of the toilet and I call that the ass tickler. Like it, it's, it's, it hoops around. It hoops around like a U. No, that's the coiler. Oh, the coiler goes around. Coiler goes around. So Which is the one where just the tip comes out of the water? Well, that would be the ass tickler, or the ball tickler, right? Because it anytime the, the anytime it's out of the water, it's terrible for the SM, my SMS system. Eh? <laughs> my SMS have I, my SMS system was something when I was in the bank when I was in my corp in my old life when I was working in an office. Um, I always implement the SMS system. It, it had to be implemented in the office just so that we, especially when we worked in a small office, there's like six of us that worked there, one bathroom, guys and girls, right? Right. So like, I'm, I'm of the, of the understanding that only like that, uh, nobody should smell each other's business, you know, like, uh, and especially with my wife, we have like, I always get houses with multiple bathrooms to say, you have no excuses. If we use SMS, I should ever smell your business. I don't want to smell my wife's business ever because I think it's going to make for a happy marriage. That's what I really believe because I don't want her smelling my business. I don't want to smell her business. Say, so you just use my system, which is it's comprised of different steps. You have to use uh, number one is uh, just uh, courtesy flushing. Courtesy flushing is going to help you greatly right? because uh, you let that stuff simmer in, in the pot, so to speak. It is going to cook up a, a great odor, especially if even the smallest fraction of it breaches the water. As soon as it breaches the water, uh, the smell's horrible. Flush that shit. Get, a, get away. We, we have enough water here in this area. We're going to be fine. Get rid of it, right? That's number one. Number two is uh, the use of matches or sprays. I personally think matches are the best bet. Like yeah. uh, the yeah, sulfur they, they, dissipates they, the smell quicker than anything else. Yeah. And I've actually heard on the news where a person said they were calling in about if you have a bad house guest. They said, uh, call us in if you have a bad house guest and we'll... Uh, you know, tell us about your horrible experience with this house guest. And the one person said, I had a guest that thought they would cover up their uh, smell of their um, bowel movement with the smell of burning matches. So now I have the smell of sulfur to uh, replace the smell of, uh, of their, you know, their feces or whatever. Eh? That was their complaint. And that was a courteous guest that they had, yeah, as far sure. as I'm concerned, that he'd lit the match. If you can't t stand the smell of a match, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't 
natural selection should take over for you because <laughs> nothing wrong with that smell. We've all smelled it, so no S- doubt. Smell a mash. Well, they've got those new uh, drops that you can put in your toilet. It's like an oil that forms a barrier between the water. And so if you've got like one so of those. As soon as it hits the water, it, like, it, like, it would just get rid of the smell completely. Well, it acts as a barrier between the water and the shit and the outside air. So it's 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 quite good, actually. I've uh, heard about it a couple of years ago, and I, I think we actually had some at one point. It did work. Yeah. But we have multiple bathrooms. Like I said, I've got my shitter. Yeah. So, you know, and that's where I go. Yeah, that's how we do it too. That's the other thing. If you have multiple cans, then the last part of well, there sorry, not the last part. There is also uh, when it sprays, and then we have uh, warning signals. When all else fails, you have to put some sort of a warning signal or or at least alert people that you might want to stay away from there for a certain. Oh, there's alerts time. around my house, no doubt. Because sometimes, no matter what, they just it travels. Like I'm on the, my shitter's on the third floor of the house, so when I sometimes just creeps down the stairs and you know what's coming yeah, yeah. when like, you let that one off the one that's like the you know a real like uh, eye waterer and as soon as it comes out you're like holy i think that might be a record breaker for stink that just came out of me like i don't know what kind of program i'm running right now but it's not agreeing with me by yeah. the smell of it <laughs> but then you get those really odd smells like every once in a while it smells like to me like tar <laughs> and it's like, where the fuck did that come from? Or, uh, you know, shit, and it'll be green. Have you ever had the green shit? Usually that's from when you've been eating, like, something with Black blue, babies. Di- blue dye in it. Yeah. Black babies, yeah. I find. I like to get a, go to the bulk barn and get a bag of those every once in a while. You eat, eat half a pound, and you end up shitting green for two days. <laughs> yeah. <So dope. laughs> Just fill your body with dye and just watch what comes out. It's like a rainbow fruit roll-up coming out of your ass. But then your kids, they they end up leaving the shit in the toilet, which I never got. It would be like, what the hell? And you walk in, and I never get it because you got this little child who's maybe five years old. And you can imagine proportionally size their anus should be small and tiny. And they leave these, like, fucking Great Dane shits that are unbelievable. They're they're huge. And I'm thinking, how did you give birth to that thing? I feel bad for them. But then they don't flush it. <laughs> well, you know, because you're proud of it. That's why. Because you're proud of it. Why would you flush? Like, I've had my do- I've had a little girl, like a little, like, this is uh, oh, when she's so, like, a three-year-old girl, like, sweet as pie. You look at her. She's just, like, she lets a shit in the toilet so big. That she comes out and she's like, "Dad, you gotta see this. I can't flush it. It's too. It's too good. You gotta have a look at it, eh?" And you look at it. And it's it's impressive. And you're like, "Hey, I do the same thing. Like, I I don't blame it at all. You never showed your buddy one of your shits if you were like, you leave one floating for him because well, my boss used in. to leave that diarrhea all the time. I've never actually shown a a, a a floater to anybody that I can think of. Although I did, who my best friend in high school is now my brother-in-law." And we were on a, a similar cycle um, for some reason. I think we had third period biology for semester, and we'd always end up in the same uh, beside each other in the stalls. Yeah. And Lars would, uh, he'd be like, he'd knock on the stall uh, beside me door, and he'd show, he'd wipe his ass, and then he'd show me the paper <laughs> underneath, <laughs> underneath the stall. Oh, we had. He'd be just like, "Hey, I would like that." And he'd be like, "Oh, Lars." Uh, in universe, first year university, I lived in a residence. Yeah, the same thing. We had three stalls. We had named them all. There was the tower, the clog, and the grunter. And uh, you <laughs> didn't want to get into the no clog. growler. <laughs> that was the center one. But I remember one time, one of the listeners of our show, an old friend of mine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was in the uh, tower, and yeah. I was in the grunter. And uh, no one's ever in the clog. That's the center one. 
it was a low toilet and it didn't work very good and flush very good. That's why it got called the clog. And uh, so we, he's two away from me, two away. We're chatting while we're taking a dump together. It was a more of a communal thing at the time. Yeah. I didn't see anything wrong with it. We would actually say, hey, who's going to take a dump? You'd go, hey, I got to take a dump. You'd go and have a dump together, have a nice chat while you're spending the time on the can. And it turned out to be fine. In this case, this guy thought a little hijinks would be in order. He's sitting on the toilet, right? Yeah. He thinks it's funny if he uh, throws some toilet paper over uh, to my stall. Wet toilet paper. Okay. Wet. The only way for that toilet paper to get wet is from the toilet water. Where the shit was. Where where he's either just about to put shit or... uh, No, if he's going to pee, he goes to urinals. Who doesn't piss and shit at the same time? No, there's piss or pee. But maybe to to his benefit, maybe he hadn't gone yet. So therefore, there's just the remnants of other people's shit and vomit and whatever else a university kid does in that disgusting toilet. Uh, it's, he's now got a wet piece of toilet paper that he's thrown at me and it lands on me and touches my skin, which then I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. Like I'm not really cool with all that <laughs> stuff. That was no good. <laughs> so I decided to fight, uh, like to kind of go overboard on the, uh, revenge on that one. Cause I, uh, well, I was uh, pretty upset. So then I, I remember I went to his, um, I went to his bed and I, he was very particular about his pillow. If I was ever like lying on his bed and we were just, cause you go room to room, just chat or whatever at night. Yeah. If I put my feet on his pillow, he'd be very outraged. Eh? <laughs> so, uh, uh, that would be the first place for my naked ass to go was to rest on his pillow and then to rub my rest of my ass along the corner of his, uh, bed, you know, like on the, on the corner of the mattress, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. give it a nice little, uh, just scoot down there. And I, I to my credit, this was after I had cleaned myself up. I wasn't completely dirty. But the mental game that I was doing to him, like just to know that my dirty parts had touched the part, his pillow and stuff, and knowing he was more of a germaphobe than even I was, <laughs> I knew that I had won, eh? But I think I had uh, gone too far almost. Oh, <laughs> no, you can't go too far with shit. We can't go too far with shit? Not really. This is what my brother one time, I don't think you'll mind me telling the story. When we're up in... Um, Having a great uh, stag party uh, for my cousin. Actually, your dad was there. Okay. And uh, we were ice fishing up in Nor- up by in Calder Bay. Right. You know? And uh, you sleep out on these huts. You're out on the ice. Ice and, hotel. Uh, yeah. We had the whole main street of huts. It was all guys on this bachelor party for the weekend. They were up there fishing. It was a great time. One of the best times of my life. I get to tell you, it was one of the best, absolutely one of the best times of my life. And people were skidooing and stuff like that. And uh, the one guy blew up his skidoo. And what happened was you have these, like, outhouses that are uh, attached to your ice hut, you know? And um, in the outhouse, I mean, you're on the middle of the ice, right? So you can't have plumbing or anything like that. So you, instead of this outhouse, you can't even dig a hole to go into the lake. That's not right either. Right. So they put these orange garbage bags in the hole, and you shit into the garbage bag. And, and tie then, it up and bring it in. Well, the next day, the guys that run this, that are renting the huts, come and clean up the ship bags, and then they put new, fresh bags in, and you can shit in those <laughs> bags, right? Yeah. But you don't want to shit in the bag that's attached to your hut because your hut is, um, you have to stay there. So you're going to smell that bag of shit that's in the, attached to your hut outside. The only benefit is that it's freezing cold, so it'll freeze the shit up so it doesn't smell as bad. But if you're going to shit, you sneak into somebody else's uh, bathroom in the back of their um, cabin and you take a shit, right? <laughs> and then you can everybody's, hear everybody's like, uh, and you can hear them in the hut 
complaining about who farted or whatever. Like they're all blaming each other for who. Sh- oh, who- so you could sneak in the back, like it was a back. Door oh yeah, shit. it's okay. not. You don't go through their place. Okay. You go around yeah. the back That's into perfect. a little like separate thing, but it's attached to it, so you can still hear through the wall the plywood. Yeah, it's just a piece of plywood. <laughs> so uh, to you can hear these guys bitching about who <laughs> who farted and stuff like that. <laughs> so, anyways, my brother, we knew this guy blew up his his snowmobile. And so my brother thought it would be funny if he took the ship bag and put it underneath the guy's hood of his snowmobile. Oh, nice. So that when he he would he couldn't use it for the rest of the weekend. So he'd bring it home, he put it into his nice warm shop, he heat the <laughs> shop up, this bag of shit would just cook in there, right? He would lift it up and it would just be a horrible disaster, right? Uh hilarious joke, right? So he did it, he got the bag of shit, he puts it underneath the hood of the of the snowmobile, and then he goes to bed that night in the hut or in his cabin and he's lying in bed and the, his conscience got the better of him and he had to get up in the middle of the night like in his underpants go on the ice get the bag of shit and go put it back in the house because <laughs> he thought he had gone too far you said that's what reminded me you said you can't go too far with shit that's where my brother felt he had gone too far have you ever smelled and probably have but uh shit and piss without any water so when I first, okay, it's awful. When I first had uh, moved to Turkey Point, we had the cottage, one bathroom. And we had a lot of guests and, you know, drinking, partying, whatever. Sometimes somebody would be in using the bathroom, showering or whatever, and i get hit, right? And I don't know about you, but some, when I get hit, there's not a lot of time. So what I would do, my backup plan was run out in the garage, and I'd take a five-gallon bucket and throw a kitchen catcher in there, and let her fly, right? You got it. Like you got to do it. And yeah. man, there is no worse odor than your own shit and piss from oh, the oat water yeah, to yeah. cover it up. Man, it is awful. Yeah, it's like camping, and you just go kick a, d- a dump outside. Oh, that's the thing. You just that, that's the worst. That's why even just a little bit breaches the water. It's like a whole new level of stink. You know, oh. it's the smelliest crap in the world. And I've been through a whole bunch of livestock operations and stuff like that. Uh, and you know. Um, you know, uh, turkey barns and chicken barns with all the ammonia from the turkey shit thing. That stuff was just, will gag you. It'll like make your eyes water, Mm -hmm. but it's nothing. If, if people, people shit on that, that level of scale or intensity would be 10 times worse. Well, in in India, I just saw a public service announcement or message that they were putting out on uh, over TV in India. And I guess people shit all the time in India, like dogs. What do you side. mean? No, they do all the time. They said over three million shits a day. Like you, you're on saying the side that, of the road. Oh, on the side or of wherever. Road. Like they just shit. Like, are uh, you saying that Indians shit more than people from other parts of no, the world? No, they probably shit way less because I'm sure they don't eat as much like us. They don't have like over. They like their spicy diets. food, right? But they, but they do shit out in public, and it was a whole thing like telling them not to. It was hilarious. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Oh, like please stop shitting in please public. Please stop shitting in public. And all these women. Would be wearing like these long dresses or whatever, and they just walk and they just I don't know whether they pull their, their underwear to one side or whether they're not wearing any gitch and they just shit and then just keep walking like it never happened. Man, that'd be great. <laughs> it would be, it would be nice. Can you imagine being like a dog? Like you're walking around, you're bare ass, no clothes anymore, right? Like somehow Adam and Eve didn't eat the apple, whatever. We don't yeah, have, yeah. we as humans from the beginning of time. Like, the, from, as humans from the beginning of time, we didn't eat the apple, so we just started walking around naked. We just never, never discovered clothes, never felt the need to. So we got hairier, we got fatter, right? We'd have to get like more fat on ourselves to 
to to get keep survive the winters, and we probably have a lot more hair on us, right? Right. We would have the clothing made us evolve differently, right? When you think, the it's hard to say. You know, clothing's only been around for two thousand years, and evolution I don't think is that quick. Two thousand years is all we've had clothes for. Well, no. Okay, let's take it back. That's two thousand years since Christ. So I mean, we've they've they've worn shit back in the day before him, but. You know, realistically, evolution could take thousands and thousands of years. Something like hair. Well, like the ancient Egyptians, we were in clothes. That would be fourteen or 12,000 years ago, wouldn't it be? Yeah. And then yeah. so you think, but anyhow, my point is, let's say we're rocking around naked and you just could walk around. You just shit where you feel like shitting, like a horse. You yes. know, like you're just walking around like a horse where you're just, horse will, you'll be riding a horse. It'll just shit while you're riding it. Sure. It won't even stop walking. Like just shit. Well, while. they usually stop and then shit and then keep walking again. <laughs> just drop those apples. I, yeah. Tail comes up and off they go. Yeah. Well, the same, if you're a human, you could just do that, like run around and just shit as you go. Well, it seems like it would be like a real efficient way to go. There's a couple times that I have to say that uh, myself and people that I've known have kind of been like that where whether intentionally or not intentionally, where they've just shit in inappropriate spots. And I got a story. Last week I told a story about a boss that I had, and um, he was a, he was quite a character. And he told me a story one day. It was a blizzard, middle of winter. He's driving from Long Beach to Buffalo. And it's about a half-hour drive and about 15 minutes in the first real... A uh, place where you could actually stop and take a shit if you wanted to, which would be Port Colborne. And he said he was between Port Colborne and Long Beach and got hit with, you know, fucking stomach cramps. And I mean, they partied and drank a lot, so I'm sure he didn't have a, a whole lot of time to, uh, let's just say the guys probably ran across a few ditches in his day and shit anywhere he had to. But in this particular case, the blizzard was so bad, he said he couldn't see, did, was afraid to pull his car over. And decided that he couldn't take it any longer and was just going to shit right in his pants while he was driving. So he, uh, and to hear him tell a story too, he's very funny. He shit, it, he shit his pants while driving. While driving because of a blizzard and he had no choice. He just said, I'm going to have to be sitting with this and I'll deal with it when I get home. I'm just going to shit my pants. I think that's happened like to a lot of people. I would say, I wouldn't say everybody, but I would say a percentage of the population, probably like maybe... Maybe like between five and ten percent of the population have shit their pants and just dealt with it when they got home. Oh, I'm sure, but this guy, like, you got a picture. He's probably at the time wearing like tight Sergio Valente jeans, and those, those are the greatest guys that do that. When they shit oh, their yeah. pants, you get the most pleasure. And if well, you see some guy in track pants, that's just the life's getting the better of the better of him, and he's driving around and he fucking had too many Whopper with uh, angry Whoppers, and he's just like <laughs> almost makes it home. He's just, like, but he's like that. There's like a construction a block from his house, and he shits his pants. He's just like, "Fuck it, I'll get home and just." I got a hose in the backyard. So he he says he's like, "Ah, you know what? I just couldn't take any longer." And he goes, "When I it was liberating when he finally decided he was just gonna shit." So off he goes to start shitting. He said, and the chick kept coming and coming, and he said eventually built back pressure, and before he knew it, the shit was actually coming out of the top of his pants and then leaking down over into his lap. Because there was that much shit and his jeans were that tight. It was amazing. Oh, his tight jeans got the better of him. He got the better of man. You know who would never have that problem is MC Hammer. Yeah, he had plenty of leg room. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget I was uh, probably about 17 and uh, hanging out with my girlfriend. I think she was 15 at the time. 
drove to the local Becker's to rent a movie and uh, get some chips, and I had to piss really bad. I said, go in and buy the shit, and I'll, I'll meet you back out front. And I ran behind the Becker's to the dumpster, just taking a piss. And I thought, oh, I got I to gotta fart, right? And I was wearing these shorts, and I don't even think I was wearing underwear. There was no liner in them. And went to go fart and completely shit myself, like, <laughs> all down my legs, <laughs> right down. <laughs> and now I'm panicked, right, because I'm embarrassed. I don't want my girlfriend to see I shit myself. So uh, I, she came out, and I'm around the corner of the building, and I said, you got to drive the car home. <laughs> She's like, I don't even have my license. I said, oh, okay, you know, I had let her practice a couple times, so... She gets in the car, starts it up, and I'm probably about two blocks away. You can't drive because you got shit in your pants? Oh, I don't want to get in my car and get shit everywhere. I got shit everywhere. Well, like, how she's driving home without you in it? Well, yeah, she's driving without a license and driving me, and I'm jogging beside the car. Oh, you're not in the car. No, I'm jogging. You're jogging with jogging a shitty with shit all down my legs and in my sneakers. And I remember the first thing I did, I just jogged home and uh, ran right downstairs, jumped in the shower, closed everything on, and took care of it it was it was embarrassing it wasn't the worst thing but uh you know it happens i guess <laughs> yeah it does happen <laughs> i remember one time my daughter uh was like we were toilet training her back in the day you know and um she was uh she had one of those like it was just a slip you know where she had uh, she was doing real well but she had like a little little setback you know mm-hmm. and those are the worst too because she's already in underpants and all that stuff so you gotta clean up the horrible mess in the underpants which is the full smell of the poo out of water kind of smell you yeah know, like it's like and when the time they get to that age of toilet training they already are smelling like old alcoholics by that time like they're eating a bunch of sh- garbage by that point yeah. so uh-huh. their crap is disastrous and um so i remember uh she had this mishap she's very upset and i'm like hey don't worry about it honey like daddy crapped his pants like last week it just happens from time to time you have little accidents and it was true too because i had uh you know, it was one of those things you had kind of a, a number of drinking events in a row and you just thought you had, you, you were gambling on gas and it came out liquid kind of thing. <laughs> like a little, uh, little shard. <laughs> it happens from time Hopefully to time. Hopefully you can pinch it off though, but sometimes they just get it Yeah, out. usually you can, usually it doesn't actually breach the butt cheeks. It'll well, like, you get that, 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 the like oblong stain, orange stain in your underwear from the leakage, but it's not too bad. <laughs> I had this one th- one time, I but sometimes you get just full-on surprise where you just think, oh, I think I got a night. I just feel a little bit of relief coming. I'm going to have a little uh, fart, and I'll be just fine. Like, oh, where's it? where is it when we need it, eh? I'm just going to have a little fart, and, and I'll be fine. And then uh, there we go. There we go. Do it again. There we go. So then we got, uh, and then uh, it came out like freaking gangbusters. Like it was, uh, I remember I put my foot up. It was actually out here in the Dutch Hall. I put my foot up, you know, because I was like, oh, my stomach's been bothering me all day. I, got, I feel like I just got a lot of gas. I got to let one of these rip, you know. I put my foot up, and it came out as easy as pie. It was just like this. Uh, finally, I got the position where the gas is going to be released, and it was like fart, fart, fart. Fire hose of shit, you know, oh, and no. it was like through, through the underpants, through the jeans, and it's like, holy. Was it shit or mucus? Because you get the, the two, right? Like you either get the shit or like that that clearish, uh, or once in a while I get the, like the mucus shit or fart, you know, where it, it plops out and it's greasy. Uh, like uh, the drinking crap? Is that like, like I don't know what it is. It's just like mucus. Yeah, well, I don't know. You should see a doctor, maybe. 
<laughs> That'd be my. I love my, my daughter used to always every time she hit the water when she was probably three, four, five, she'd want to shit. And uh, never forget we're down in Disney, Saratoga Springs Resort, and we're the Canadians in the pool. It's like sixty degrees. Nobody else is there. We're all swimming around, and uh, all of a sudden she goes, "Oh!" I look and she's got like a turd in her fucking bathing suit, right? Sitting there, we're in the pool. So I'm like, okay, honey, pull a bathing suit off the side. Thing floats up. I grab it, throw it in the landscaping. We just keep on going like it never. No one's wiser. No one was wiser. No problem. No alarms going off. No, no evacuation no. of the pool. Bill Murray comes out and eats a chocolate bar. No turd in the euonymus bush. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Another time we uh, we got a. Uh, that's the thing about public pools. Like my my brother in law won't go in a public pool. We've been on vacation with him, and he looks at a public pool like it is. Uh, he's got this grossed out look on his face like nothing I've ever seen and, and his kids are asking him to come in and he's just like I am not getting that cesspool of, of germs like yeah, he's just grossed poop out poop soup but no, being in water treatment I can tell you that when you got free chlorine doesn't matter it kills any of the bacteria yeah it's really just dirt you know when right. it boils down to it I remember another time what we, poop is dirt <clears throat> well when, once you kill the bacteria oh, right. I mean really, what is it like yes yeah. compost breakdown broken down material decon you know. get over poop right yeah it's not a big deal but that's in a pool like yeah. you know hot tub pool chlorine will kill that within 60 seconds but uh remember we went to a resort Niagara Falls, and it was like a high-end place, and they had this hot tub that uh, was kind of like one of those Roman hot tubs where the water would come up and then go over a waterfall into another section, and would jump, get her in there again. We're all alone, and uh, I don't know what it was, the salad that we had given her must have went straight through her, because all of a sudden, boom, diary in her bathing suit again. And, same uh, daughter? Yeah, same yeah. daughter. She's, same trip? No, different trip. That oh. was Florida versus Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's like, holy crap, there's diarrhea, and the whole hot tub is floating. Like, and you can see bits of, le uh, of lettuce leaf and everything oh floating around. But not only is Were there it, other other families in the hot tub? No, the because it was late, like late in the evening. So it was just you guys that just soiled us, the right? tub. Soiled the tub, and now... That's when you get out and say to the hotel, well, you're like, somebody pooped in the tub. I don't know who it was. We got in there and it's Oh, it was awful, because I remember the, the pieces of lettuce that were floating around on top, and then it would go over the, the waterfall. <laughs> and it was all like shit was floating into different layers of this. Uh, oh, this hot tub. into the pool? Yeah, well, yeah, it was right? all bad. Yeah, it was yeah, all bad. Funny. We have when in swimming lessons in town, we'd bring our kids to it, and then every once in a while, a kid would have a, a mishap at the pool, and it was always like uh, they evacuate. It's a big deal, and then they come out with like a uh, bucket of bleach, yeah. and they just throw a bucket of bleach at something, and then it's like everyone back in the pool. It's, it's done. like Caddyshack. Yeah, <laughs> it's really quick. Anyway, that's it. We got to stop poop talk because we're already getting deep into the show and we still have a few more topics to get through. Time to spin the wheel again, Tommy. All right. Let's go up there. I got it. Uh, this is going to be a great theme song here and one of the ones that we love here on the show. Let's go. Let's spin that wheel. One, two, three. Sponsorship. Sponsorship. Well, a life from the Dutch Hall. We always like to uh, we always like to do what we can to keep the show on the air. Number one, and uh, number one, the way to do that is to kind of make a little bit of money to pay for the equipment, to kind of pay for the time that it takes to make a great show, and to invest in a little bit of equipment to make the show better. And we're always looking to do that. And part of the way we do that is through our sponsors. I would be remiss if I didn't thank my. Uh, uh, 
sponsor Amazon and all the people that have bought uh, Christmas gifts and the like. The Amazon purchases have actually gone up quite a bit uh, lately through the Christmas season. So thank you everyone that's done their Amazon shopping through going to my life on the Dutch Hall website, clicking the Amazon banner and doing all your shopping there because every little bit helps. And it's, I think I'm going to get a check from those guys eventually. We're getting close to getting an actual check from Amazon. I will definitely tweet it when we get uh, a physical check from Amazon. What's the minimum before the hundred? A hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Eh? Hundred bucks. Which I have more than that through. But if you combine U.S. and Canada, okay. But I need to get a hundred bucks from, from each. each, you know, before I get the check. So and and you can get PayPal money or whatever like that even uh, sooner or Amazon credit or something like that if you wanted to do it. Uh, they'll they'll give you Amazon credit every month if you. If you want to ex accept it for Amazon credit, but I don't want it. I want an actual physical, like tangible check that I can hold my hand and take a picture of because to me, that's like a, a milestone I get to. So, and I thank everybody for all your support on Amazon.com. All right. But we're always looking for new sponsors and this week's no exception. Uh, we were always uh, looking for it. And I found a person that I really think is on as something fantastic. And so I've agreed to sponsor it without even talking to them. It's a great product out there, and it's called the, um, what is it called? It's called Naked Bacon Co uh, Cooking Armor. Naked Bacon Cooking Armor. So it says, you like to cook uh, bacon in your birthday suit? The makers of this new product insist you need, to need protection in that sensitive area. Behold the naked baking cooking armor. And it basically looks like a jock strap. It's a big red jock strap with a nice uh, red and white elastic, uh, elastic band on the side, a wide elastic band. And uh, the product was developed for those who enjoy to uh, wake up in the morning in the buff and uh, put some bacon on the stove, but they don't want that splatter back on the old uh, uh, genitals, right? So uh, this guy says, we're just opening the door for you people. He says, uh, with any luck, you're going to step through it because happiness is waiting on the other side. So if you're not already a person that cooks bacon in the buff, you might want to try it. And the best way to try it is going out there and getting yourself uh, naked bacon body armor. But that's only that protects the genitals. Yes. If you are, uh, I've, I've cooked bacon before, and it's not fun without a shirt on. Yeah. Every, every spit, every spatter can be painful. Yeah, it's no, it's no picnic. When you're going out there. But I think if you're a real man, uh, you can take it in the chest. You can take it in the chest, you know, like a shot, but you're not going to want to take it in the junk. It's just too sensitive an area, you know? I know a guy who was cooking bacon in his ice hut with no clothes on because he had gotten wet. And uh, basically he got too close to the wood stove and the tip of his penis got burnt. And turned into one big blister. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, my God. Stay away from the wood stove if you're going to be uh, naked. No doubt there. Then the uh, the armor would have helped. Oh, yeah? No he, he, you know, when we're talking about sponsors, it always makes, it makes me think of something. You know what it is? What's that? It's feedback. We got feedback. <laughs> feedback. Welcome to Feedback. We got feedback at an hour and ten into the show. Uh, we are, uh, uh, we already told you we're, who we're brought to you by. I want to also thank VG, and we don't have a spot, we don't have a, a coupon going for VG Boys right now, but I still thank them for their support in the past. And of course, Naked Body Arm, Baked Cooking Body Armor, which we have uh, this week, just as a free one. We're going to give that out to them. 
Uh, look for it if you want to cook bacon in the buff. And uh, But every week we ask our listeners for feedback, and this week was no exception. The biggest show in the history of Life from the Dutch Hall was uh, released last week, uh, actually starring Tom Bowen, who I haven't even introduced today. Tom Bowen, thanks for coming in, Tommy. I always, thanks, Peter. I, I always take you for granted, buddy. Oh, no. But thanks for coming in. Love so we had, Tom, we had Tom and the rooster Dave Chairs made a surprise appearance back at the Life from the Dutch Hall, and it was uh, you know stressful at least, and with the, the the whole resolution happened, and uh, quite a bit of feedback came back and forth. And one of the people I got feedback from was a guy by the name of Will MacArthur, uh, out from Eastern Ontario, a nice beef guy. Uh, was nice enough to reach out to me and give me some good feedback. So because of that. I am going to call Will MacArthur, our listener of the week. So thank you very much, Will. And that's what you get. You know, speaking of guys out in eastern Ontario, one of the people that we had uh, that we get feedback from on a regular basis is our shareholder, one of our principal shareholders, one of the guys that donated on PayPal, which is another way you can support the show, is you can go on live from the Dutch Hall dot com. There's a PayPal link and you can donate to the show. And this guy did that. And when you donate to the show, I always name you a uh, I name you a shareholder, Life in the Dutch Hall, and we give you special audio things that are outside of what the uh, stuff we release is. Sometimes when you get talking before or after the show, or you have a little botched beginning, there's a little uh, extra audio clips. And if you're a shareholder, of Life in the Dutch Hall, you get uh, access to those things. You also get a few extra perks for uh, your sponsorship uh, on PayPal. So one of our uh, principal sponsors, uh, a man that was listener of the week in the past, uh, uh, Jeff Kemp from Eastern Ontario, Blackstock, Ontario, he uh, sent me a message. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, he said, um, I'm astounded by how cheap your listeners are. Only me, the VG boys, and your mom have stepped up. Stingy bastards. Either that or you don't have any listeners. And he said, dot, 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 that can't be. And uh, so I said, uh, uh, no, um, they, my listeners just are that cheap. Uh, I do appreciate you guys, but you are cheap. And uh, he said, you should have called it live from the Italian hall or something and focused on a more generous nationality, which I resent. Because live from the Dutch hall is not only for the Dutch people in the world. It's inclusive of all cultures, all nations, all uh, creeds, religions, uh, philosophies. Everyone's welcome in life from the Dutch Hall. And my listeners, regardless of their nationality, are universally cheap. And I resent you thinking it's just because of their Dutchness. It's more because of their fiscal responsibility and not understanding why it's important to give money to a guy who's drinking in his shed once a week with his buddy. is <laughs> more the reason why they don't give. Well, Peter, I, I would like to sponsor myself. I, I'm just not sure how to go about it. You just go on the Life from the Dutch Hall website, and there's a PayPal link. You literally uh, hit the PayPal link, and choose the denomination, and then just uh, you just it just goes through your PayPal account. Oh. So if you don't have a PayPal account, you'd have to set one up, but it's relatively easy to do with a, any sort of major credit card. And then you, you, you do a, a PayPal donation that way. So it's a great way to support the show. The other way is to go buy a T-shirt. There's T-shirts on Live from Dutch Hall, which they are coming in by the end of the year. There's a lot of people uh, waiting on their T-shirts, and soon you'll start seeing those in public. And, uh, oh, I wanted to say that uh, with all the listeners that have uh, helped me out this week, um, if you uh, one, one thing we're talking about doing with Live from the Dutch Hall, and we talked about it earlier in the year, was uh, doing a... Um, doing a, a shop tours like where we go take the show on the road and maybe once a month or, or once every other month 
we uh, take life from the Dutch Hall on the road, and we go to like uh, to your town, the towns of the different listeners, and uh, we go into your little Dutch Hall if it's in your backyard or your little local watering hole, your uh, bar or, or uh, any sort of a spot that you think would be conducive of discussing whatever the heck is buzzing around in your mind in the part of the world that you're from. Uh, let me know. Uh, give me an email at lifefromdutchhall@gmail.com, and if you're willing to have an episode. Uh, in your hometown, I would be happy to come and do one, and uh, hopefully we can uh, help build this audience together and uh, get some buzz going around the show. So uh, please, again, reach out to me at lifeinthedutchhall.gmail.com, and uh, we should be taking this show on the road in 2015. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And uh, we can't do we can't do feedback. We got feedback without talking to our one very famous listener, our good buddy. The Haitian Dwarf. Hi ho, hi ho. All right, episode 51. He gave me five stars. Five stars is always just the one episode he didn't like out of 52 or 51. He gave me five stars for 50 of them. He said, thought provoking stuff. I wonder if quitting dwarf tossing would have an effect on my morning wood. Uh, great to hear the rooster is back. Haitian dwarf. Thank you very much, Haitian dwarf. Awesome as always. And by the way, I, I do think it would. And if I uh, and this is a this is a serious comment to all those people who are just not happy in their job situation. Let's say you're getting tossed into a into a Velcro wall, wearing a little suit, and uh, day after day you get your lunchbox in, you check your time card, you get on your Velcro suit, and you get ready to get thrown by a bunch of drunk douchebags at some strip club or something like that. And after about 15 years of getting thrown into that wall, you're just feeling a little tired of getting thrown that wall. And when you go home at night, you feel like sleeping. And when you wake up in the morning. Maybe your your uh, your penis is thinking the exact same thing. It's just not it's not ready to get up in the morning like it used to be, and it's sitting there limp at your side, just le- resting on your upper thigh, just taking a lazy lazy snooze out there, eh? And uh, maybe that's time for you to think. Maybe I don't want to get tossed in the wall anymore. Maybe what you want to do is go painting or something like that. And next thing you know, that thing's gonna wake up in the morning and be ready to go paint for you, Haitian dwarf. Like I don't know what to tell you, but I think that might be the way to go. What do you think, Tommy? Well, um, people who want to quit their jobs, I think if there's one word of advice, if you're not happy with your job, I think the thing to do is to start looking at options and start applying for work. Nothing, Nothing better than applying for a job and getting a job or getting a job offer when you already have a job. Then you don't have to worry about any of the in between. Yeah, yeah. You know? But you got to be careful you're not just replacing one pile of shit with another pile of shit. Well, it doesn't have to be. And, and if, you, if you keep up the habit of doing that sort of thing, and if you have to job hop, I mean, that's part of what we do nowadays. If, you're gonna, if it's going to require you to find uh, you know, three, four, or five different jobs over a year even to find something that you like, no better way to do it than to continually put out more applications. Yeah, but you have to. I think you get to the point. The the you get to a point where you know it's okay if you're doing it on your terms and you're doing it because you're getting what you want out of it. 
But if you're doing what they want, you're not getting any, you're not getting the stuff you want out of it. Then it's not right for you. And, well, no, and you got to think: is it the is it the employer in particular, or is it the type of work or the type of employer that you're with? Well, that's why you leave your job. But it, in order to leave, a lot of people don't have that uh, leeway. Like people are too busy being poor to ever be rich or to ever be happy. Yeah, yeah. Because you're paying the bills. Yeah. What I'm saying is, okay, I get it. It's tough. You're working 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week. Whatever it takes, you're just paying the bills. You hate your job. Well, you got to work one more hour a day, get your applications out there, think about what really means something to you, try and find another job because that way you have an out. If you don't try it, you're never going to get a, never going to get out. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. It's a good <laughs> habit, though. You should always be looking for your next job. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, don't do that. I, sorry. I was, uh, no, I agree. I did that every time except for this last time where I always quit. We had another job lined up before I quit. But the part where you, you just always wonder if you're just falling into one. I, most of the situations I put myself into to get myself out of one was worse than the one I left. Worse than the one you left. Yeah, yeah. and then you just keep yeah. thinking the grass isn't necessarily greener. A lot of these, if you have a good company... And you have a they're if they're doing everything right and you still hate it, the problem's probably not with the, yeah, with, the with, with where you. you're working, it's with you. It's with it's it's with whatever you're doing is not agreeing with you. I get that too. Yeah. But how many people do you know that get to do what they want and still pay the bills? Well, according to according to uh the secret, have you do you know the secret? Yeah, no, I avoid it like the plague. The secret? Yeah, I didn't watch it. Oh yeah? It just seemed too hokey. Well, you know when we're talking about this stuff, people say what's the Dutch hall about and uh I was home at one uh one afternoon I was home, I turned on the TV at lunchtime and there's this show on TV on Canadian on Canadian television. I think it's out of Toronto. It's a show called The Social. Have you ever seen The Social? Yes. It's like uh, the Canadian version of uh, like the View or something like that. It's, I think I have a clip from it. I have a clip from it here. Let me just uh, see if I can find it. Okay, here we go. Here's a clip from it. This is the uh, social. It's about that. It's a bunch of hens clucking. It's just a bunch of hens clucking. And I think I was watching it in, in their defense. I watched the show, and it was a bunch of... Uh, it was uh, they were actually talking about how to live your life better and how to like you know be be more happy. Yeah, that's because their husbands are out working, making money. Right, and they're trying and they, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And then they're sitting at home trying to be happy because they're sitting with lots of time feeling miserable and they want to know that. Anyways, these girls are t teaching them how to live a better life and whatever. And so I'm thinking to myself, am I just the am I is that all I'm doing? Am I just like a hen clucking show for? But I'm a I'm like a house husband or something <laughs> you know like maybe i'm the same way as these guys like maybe that's all the reason i'm talking about this stuff i don't know no i mean you maybe have i have skills. too much time on my you hands have skills but you never have uh, like you, you may find that you're happiest if you just learn to become a, a real good domestic servant <laughs> learn how to clean the house learn how to cook the meals plan everything for the family let your wife make the money you might love it you never know Sit around, get up in the morning. My wife, I don't think my wife would respect me, to be honest with you. I don't think she'd be able. If you to... did a real good job, she would. I don't know if she would. I don't. I really don't. I just think I just. And the same goes, vice versa. I don't know if if it was a tables were turned and uh, we just well and and we were living off my uh, success and it was just her um like her, her being taken care of the taking you've care. Al of... You've always had a port like a portion of her successes 
due to your efforts. So, yeah. so in a way, you're making money, and it's all residuals. It's like residuals. That's the way you got to look at it. You're just making residual money, and in the meantime, you're cooking, cleaning. <laughs> Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I mean, there's a certain amount of that for everybody. There's, it's a team effort, right? You have a husband and wife; they're all trying to uh, accomplish the same amount of stuff. Yeah. You, and so, like, you all have to, you all have to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish in your own personal life, plus what the family's got to get done, plus yeah. you know what you're, what you're trying to accomplish with your spouse, and it's all, uh, it's all just a, a a balancing act, you know. And sometimes you you have to pick up more of the slack on the traditional mommy end and sometimes you're picking up the slack on the traditional daddy end and but if you could make six figures and pay a nanny and a housekeeper to do that sort of shit for you know 20 or 30 grand then economically it makes more sense to work get that too but if you're happy yeah i don't know i don't think i could be happy i don't know it's it's interesting i don't i don't know it's uh yeah you don't seem to be the type no i'm a and i'm pretty hands-on i i i don't know if i could ever give up uh well you you're the type of guy who can make six figures and cook and clean and do whatever else i used to do it i used to i used uh, used to do it it seems like uh the busier you get they say if you want something done go ask a busy man right exactly it seems like the busier i was the more i had my shit together i could get everything done because I was really hopping, right? But my intensity level was through the roof. And uh, sometimes I had left a lot of casualties surrounding me <laughs> for people that just couldn't take the wake of Pete, you know? Like, that's yeah. why, I, even now, I'm still, it's the biggest uh, thing I got to deal with. I'm just too intense. I got to slow it down because I'm too I'm too wound up, eh? Yeah. That's but why these shows are you, good. But if you get your teeth into a new project, you, you know you're going to get be intense. Yeah, Again. I know. What have we not done? Oh, we are at the end of the show right now. We got one more spin to do. Let's do the spin, get it over with. Okay. And we got one more. There's, I have a feeling I know where it's going to end up, Tommy. I got, I got to find one more. Uh, let's do... Uh, this is Slew to last week. Go, spin it. Oh, it actually landed on it. It actually landed on the one we didn't have. Hey, world news. World news. So let's see what we got for world news. Um, well, at Life from the Dutch Hall, we always like to do a little, we always like to have our ear on the ground what's going on in the world. We're giving a unique perspective of what life's like in rural Ontario from a bunch of like Canadian yokels that are just regular dudes trying to get through it. But sometimes uh, I like to keep my ear in, uh, on the ground of what's going on in the world so that my listeners who might not be aware can just be educated by the by the by the program and uh, help to fulfill their you know live a more enriched life you know and uh, this week uh, my my reading has found a, uh, an interesting uh, uh, phenomenon or a competition that exists in China our good friends in China don't know if we have any Chinese music but the Ch- uh, our good ding, friends ding ding bing bing bong ding ding is not it uh, Hong Kong food. <laughs> <laughs> I got the suit in Hong Kong, home of the shiny green suit. So that's that's a that, that I think is racist. How come far can we go? That's racist, I think, isn't it? Well, I went from. Uh, I usually say Bing Bong Ching Chong. Well, anyways, this, that would be racist. <laughs> yeah. Well, like uh, I went. Bing Bong Ching Chong. I went to uh, Hong Kong to play ping pong with uh, King Kong with his Ding Dong or something. Ding Dong. <laughs> Anyhow, in China, uh, a place where they've uh, had the one-child rule for some time and uh, have uh, uh, an unnatural amount of male Male. versus females. Because they bury the females. 
they decided that uh, one of the things they could do to help gain awareness uh, as far as uh, to uh, uh, safe sex and uh, anti-AIDS campaign uh, was to show these men uh, alternative ways to have safe uh, sexual activities. So they had a, a masturbation contest in China where uh, in order to um, uh, not make sure there was no nudity, they gave all these gentlemen... Well, number one, they gave them a mask so they could have a bit of discretion. And uh, so they gave them a mask, and they gave them an orange bucket with a number on it. And uh, they put the orange bucket in front of the genitals, and they were to masturbate into the orange bucket while uh, some scantily clad uh, Chinese uh, uh, ladies uh, would uh, walk around them uh, <laughs> doing sultry things. And carry, uh, a lot of the pictures that they showed, they would carry around uh, a blow-up doll. like a, And the blow-up doll was a, uh, obviously a Caucasian blow-up doll with huge breasts. And uh, the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the balloon orifices that they would come with. And these girls would walk around with that, and that was, uh, that was meant to titillate them. And I guess they said they did do others, some other um, uh, profane sexual acts as part of this too. And the contest was with these guys is whoever the last person to uh, finish uh, was the winner. So whoever could masturbate the longest without uh, ejaculating would become the winner of this contest and be, uh, I guess, heralded as the champion of... Uh, beating off in front of people in an awkward situation oh to a God. balloon. So I guess they, they sat there and thought about their grandmothers and dead kittens, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> but what I think is funny is that there's so many of these guys, and the, the, the only way they're getting laid is if they go to probably to dirty women because there's so few, few like comparatively few women to men. Right. Like there's got to be a lot of guys just like really scrounging the bottom of the barrel just to get um, laid, eh? Like you would oh, imagine. Jeez. It's a terrible. It's a terrible situation for him. And other parts. Well, I would have been getting laid. What? I would have been getting laid, regardless. In China. Oh yeah. Where there's like. Yeah. What's yeah, the ratio matter. where you're out then, Tom? It How confident matter. are you in your ability? That confident. Let's say it's if ninety to one. 90... ninety to one. I'd still get that one. <laughs> That's pretty balls, man. Well, that <laughs> like I don't know. There's some spots like if you go up to like the oil sands or the uh, in uh, the fracking country in North Dakota and stuff like that. Yeah, those guys are all. Uh, it's like it's heavy male population compared to female, eh? Yeah, like it's ridiculous. You think you'd be able to still? Yeah, there's women there. there yeah, there is women there. This, we're talking the difference between China and like you know. Oh, well, when you're so, a foreigner, are you using your foreign uh, allure to get women in, in your scenario? Well, your for fantasy? starters, I'm probably a foot taller. Even though I'm short, i got to be a foot taller than any of those Chinese guys. Oh, no. Our, so, we are very exotic in Asian countries. Yeah, uh, for a, sure. A, a white man like Guaranteed, us. Guaranteed, i got at least an extra four inches in any of them. So they're thinking that <laughs> uh, this guy's got some <laughs> schlong, right? I'd probably just go to the bar. I think it's the perception thing. I don't think there's a guarantee. I think it's like... Uh, no, no. You just go to the bar, hang it out, and then walk around. And and then it'll just be like, you know, they you just come enough? to you. Yeah, that would be like that. That should be the tourism uh, brochures to go to like uh, go to Asia. It's just like come to Asia and hang out your cock, um, and then you'll get girls. Yeah, they'll think you're a black guy. It's like being a black. <laughs> go to Asia. It's like being being black because everyone will just think you got a big dick, even if you don't, just because yeah. you're like uh, a dick size of like a stereotypical dick size of race, bigger than they are. You know, it makes. 
it would make for a good travel destination. That's probably why uh, Thailand and Bangkok, or I don't know, we're not, it's not competitive, eh? They all look ridiculous to me. That's why those countries are the most racist countries in the world as far as if you, like if you're a, and this is my understanding, this is a generalization, of course, but if you're a Chinese, uh, all the Chinese girls I knew, their families were not cool with uh, them dating white guys. Right. Like, I don't know a lot of Chinese girls whose parents were cool with them dating white guys. It's because most of them are very homely. Like, if you're on the scale of, I've been all around the world, and probably the only homelier women would be, like, Maoris from Australia. <laughs> then what, Chinese women? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if I agree. There's beautiful Chinese women. Well, there's a few, but they're the ones that are getting the, there's the, billions the of, attention. There's billions of people there. There's all sorts. There's going to be, like, billions of ugly people, but there's going to be billions of beautiful people, too. Yeah, they're mostly homely. I don't know. I don't know if we can classify billions of people, like a billion people. That's so many people. Like, it's like saying, I don't know. And actually, part of China is, like, unrecognizable. If you go up by, like, Tibet and stuff like that, they're, they don't look traditionally Chinese. They look more uh, like the Mongols or something. Yeah, that's right? even worse. Yeah? Yeah, they're homely. I don't know. There's beautiful Chinese women. I know lots of, I know beautiful Chinese women. I met them. I know them. There's regular girls. They're beautiful. Yeah, one say Japanese girls are are probably uh, stereotypical. If you're going to put them on a scale, I would rank um, Japanese girls are more beautiful than Chinese girls. Probably. And they say Koreans are like look like Chinese, but they have uh, rounder faces. Yeah, they're butchy. and bigger. They're bigger butchy. stature. Butchy. Uh, that's the stereotypes. All yeah. stereotypes. But then then Filipinos are more like almost like a Spanish. Ah. They have like darker skin and stuff. Homely. Huh? Rage. <laughs> you don't like Asian it. girls? No. I thought all guys like. Oh, I thought that was a whole. I thought that was a that everyone universally thought Asian girls were beautiful. Yeah. I like Asian girls. I like all girls. So I can't think of a nationality that I would say is universally hideous, except for you said those Maori girls. I don't even know what an Aboriginal girl from uh, Australia would look like. Remember that old. The same story, as the guys. When, those old stories when you're a kid about the wide mouth frog. <laughs> Like tan, tan it dark and have it speak uh, some sort of humanoid language, and that's what you've got. <laughs> well, Eskimo girls, how about that? They're kind of well. They're Asian too. They're all Mongol. They're more Mongol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. West Coast Indians. Uh, you ever seen a, 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 an attractive uh, Inuit girl? <clears throat> yeah, my wife. No, she's not Inuit. <laughs> she's native. But uh, no, the, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't say that. There are some attractive, but. Uh, no one, as a whole, the Asians are just very tiny, I think. That's not what and you're And they, they kind of look alike and a little chunky-ish. Yeah, they only look alike because we, we concentrate on the big differences and not the small ones. Uh, maybe. It's like saying, like, um, wow, they would think the same of us, wouldn't they? That we all look alike and smell like wet dog? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we just state, you know, give me a European, Eastern European and westward to North America. That's about it. Yeah. Anyways, guys, we are at uh, an hour 34. We're going to have to call this one a show. Guys, we, next week we have the big anniversary show. I'm really excited about it. And, uh, can't wait. And it's what I got to tell you is for my Friday night or from Friday uh, morning and Friday afternoon crowd, you will not get a show next Friday because we're recording the uh, anniversary show next Friday night at Live from Dutch Hall. The more people that show up, uh, the uh, the better. If we um, if we need to, we will find a bigger venue to host the show in. 
but if you want to uh, come to a live performance live in Dutch Hall, to be honest with you, I would love to see any of our listening audience come in and celebrate the year that was uh, uh, live, the first year live from Dutch Hall. So come on, come on down, reach out to me at the, on uh, live from Dutch Hall Gmail, uh, like me on Facebook, or send me a message on Facebook, direct message me on Twitter, Dutch Hall on Twitter. Otherwise, uh, thank you for the support on Amazon. Keep it up, everybody. Tell a friend. Uh, share the episodes on Facebook. Uh, retweet them on Twitter and try to get the word out because if we get, uh, if everyone just gets one more person to listen, this thing can really grow and be something cool. And if you'd like to have the Live from Dutch Hall come to your hometown, you know how to reach me. Come on, let, let me come out and, uh, and, see, and see what the rest of the world is doing and uh, we can all have some fun. Otherwise, I will see you all next week. Thank you, Tom, for coming in. Thanks, Peter. And uh, good night, everybody. Let's do it. All right. <laughs>